Grace Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Launching off point, we're going to be back in John's gospel this morning. I'll briefly touch base on something we talked about last week and then jump into what we're talking about this morning. Um, We are continuing in our series called Built Together. And in these last handful of weeks, as we move towards wrapping up this series, we're talking about how important it is for the church. And, And this is the church like around the globe. It's our own local body here at Grace Chapel. How important it is for the church to be growing in maturity. That doesn't mean perfection, but it means becoming healthy and mature. And it produces something incredible, not just in us individually, but something in us as as a group that is being built together. And what happens when things mature is two things. Number one, like a mature tree will grow and produce fruit. And so the scripture describes that fruit as godly character. It's this character that, that touches and expresses love well through love and peace, joy, all those things. Patience, man, do we need patience. Kindness, it's displayed that way. But those aren't things we have to try really hard to do It's fruit that is produced in our lives as we grow in Christ. And so the maturity produces fruit. Also, things that are mature reproduce. And so fruit carries in it the seed. And what's the seed do? Well, it falls out, it hits the ground, it goes under the ground, and it produces a new tree, and it reproduces. And so this is what God wants his church to be, like a healthy growing body of believers that are growing in maturity so we're loving each other well, the environment is healthy, and then more people can come to know Christ through that environment. And so there are four keys, four signs that we see throughout the New Testament that point to what a healthy church will look like. The first one is kind of the anchor point and all the others flow out of it. It's what we talked about last Sunday. It's the presence of God. It's, it's abiding in his presence, not an experience. Like, Alex, I love that you hit on that. I do think we experience special moments with the Lord. But it's not about chasing an emotion or an experience. We get to enjoy just simply living in and abiding in the presence of God. And his love becomes more real and alive and familiar in us because we're, we're connected with him. And then through that flows point two that we're gonna talk about this morning, and that's our love for each other. That's, that's living in fellowship. A healthy church spends time together in some very intentional ways. And what I think is interesting, you know, we started this series, um, we talked a lot about community and what community life looked like. And fellowship is both an important factor in like our early young baby phase as believers, Like I need community as as a new follower of Jesus, as a toddler in the faith, if you will. I need that community. And so fellowship and community is vital when I'm immature in my faith. 
But listen, fellowship and community is vital as we grow in Christ. That community helps us grow and mature. It sharpens and refines us. And as we mature, guess what? There's those toddlers in the faith over here that we were just talking about. Guess what they need? They need some spiritual mamas and some spiritual daddies who aren't like, oh, I'm good with the Lord, I've got this, and now I'm kind of checked out and in retirement phase as a believer spiritually, you know, just cruising. No, I'm leaning in. I'm willing to be a mom. I'm willing to be a dad. I'm willing to be a grandparent in the faith. And guess what? That's sacrificial. It's sacrificial. So that's what we're getting into this morning is fellowship. There's much that we could say about it. We're gonna highlight kind of three primary things. And so let's approach the scripture together. Um, The first point I wanna make about fellowship this morning is that it's meant to be an abiding fellowship, not something that occasionally glances off of our lives. I bumped into somebody for 10 minutes in the hall before church. That's not abiding fellowship. That's a friendly greeting. That's a warm smile. Abiding fellowship is a key. So here we go. We're gonna look back at Jesus' words from our time together last Sunday in John 15. I wanna start by reading verses nine through 11. It reminds us of our anchor point, and then we're gonna see immediately what he follows that up with. So John 15, verse nine. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So he's promising his abiding love. He's promising us joy, like a joy-filled life. And he says right in the middle there, the thing that's gonna happen is if you are choosing to abide in and participate in my love, then the things I've commanded you. Notice he doesn't say the things I've suggested that maybe you ought to consider. In your free time, if you've got a little extra, maybe think about doing this. He says the things I've commanded you, you will live those out. Those will be a natural outflow of experiencing my love. You will want to align your life in real, practical, tangible ways with my love. Because while his love touches our hearts and might move us to tears, might move us to joy, like it might stir up emotions, his love is very real and practical, right? And love gets very real and practical We can only survive off of good feelings for so long. At some point, we just need people to like show up and be there for us. And we gotta show up and be there for others. Well, the good news is he always shows up and he's always there for us. So this is our anchor point. So he says, you'll keep my commandments. In other words, you will learn to live in the activity of my love. Now, immediately, immediately, Jesus connects this to our relationships with each other. Look what he says in verse 12. This is my commandment. All right, he's gonna make it really clear what the commandment is and how we abide in his love. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And that's just super easy, isn't it? <laughs> like if you just stopped at my commandment is that you love one another already, it's like, okay, I'm gonna need some help. This is gonna be a struggle at times. But he goes a step further and makes it real clear what kind of love he's talking about. 
Love each other as I have loved you. How did Jesus love them? Unconditionally, that's a great word. Give me a couple more. Sacrificially, right? What's he getting ready to do? Die. But guess what? I think it was pretty sacrificial in those three and a half years with the disciples before he went to the cross. (laughs) There was a lot of sacrificial love going on, patience with them, enduring seasons where they weren't getting it, um, putting up with some of their selfishness, their ambition, their pride. And he didn't okay it, but he hung in there with them through it. He didn't bail on them. He stayed present with them and he brought them into what real love is, what real love is. And so he calls us to that with each other. And then verse 13, we read this already this morning during communion. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Again, he's making it really clear that sacrificial kind of love that he expresses, that he lives in, that's what he's calling us to. And then skipping down to verse 17, these things I command you so that you will love one another. Friends, abiding in the love of God is meant to produce maturity that gets us into these real life practices of sacrificial love. See, it's easy to talk about community. It's easy to talk about love, sing some songs about them. You know, pretty much any church is gonna tell you like we believe in doing life together and loving each other. And maybe when we're looking for a fellowship, that's the kind of thing we're looking for. The problem I think is often we're just viewing that through these like rose-colored glasses. You know, we're just seeing that through some sort of imaginary, everything's rosy viewpoint. And then we're shocked when we encounter real people who are difficult. But like that's, that's where the real stuff happens. God is literally saying, if, if you wanna get anchored in my kind of radical, life-giving, sacrificial love, you gotta be willing to get your hands dirty with real people and real circumstances. That is where you grow in love. In the same way that working a muscle is actually work, like it puts strain on the muscle, but that's how it's gonna grow. It's easy to love when just everything is nice. It's easy to love when everything is just friendly and, and smooth. You know, I generally get along with my wife great at the beach. <laughs> There's no responsibilities. The waves are rolling in. You know, man, this is, this is great. Life's not a beach on an early Tuesday morning sometimes, right? But that gets, that gets real. That's where it gets real. See, I think all too often, when we're envisioning life in community, we're imagining some false, perfect scenario that does not exist. It's, it, we're not envisioning the real life of people around us who are different from us, who are difficult, and who require something out of us that might be uncomfortable. And so how quick we are the minute it gets challenging or uncomfortable to just look for a new scenario. Now, I think humankind has struggled with this forever, but I think it is especially an issue in our day and in our culture because we have the ability now to curate our own little communities however we want. And often we're communicating or or we're curating them, we're putting them together, not only any way that we want, like who am I gonna spend time with, but often we're doing it online. We're not even doing it in the flesh. 
we're curating these little like online communities where I can hold people at arm's length. I can follow who I wanna follow, agree with who I wanna agree with. Here's some common interests. So those are the people I'll talk to and communicate with. And then the second that goes sideways, just unfollow. There's a reason we have the phrase ghosting, right? Just, just disappear, just walk away. And now those, those practices that we've learned through things like social media, guys, they've now reversed engineered and we're doing that stuff in real life with each other. We're treating like real people that we know in some of these same ways. Am I, am I just imagining this or do y'all see this? Yeah. And so we have to realize like, this is one of the biggest issues that we face in building community now is that it's so impersonal. And it's so built around me just kind of shaping my thing. And what, what we're actually doing is we're building idols. We're not in relationship with real people. We're treating people like objects. And when, they, when they're doing something that is gratifying me, great. But the minute it's costing me something or difficult, I just set it aside and move on to the next one. How often do we opt out of real committed, loving community because it's gotten inconvenient, it's gotten difficult, or my expectations have not been met. That's a really good place to sit and camp out a little bit. Now, I've said it before, and you'll hear me say it again, and there probably are times for sermons to be about this. I understand that there are genuinely, like, poisonous relationships that, that there needs to be a change, but I think we've become so familiar with the terminology around difficult people that the, at the first sign of something being challenging, we just label it as that and it gives us an excuse to walk away. But abiding community is about being like in. I'm in. And I'm in in a real way where I can know people enough where they're gonna know me and I'm gonna know them. And so it's gonna start getting real because I'm gonna see them for who they are and I'm gonna risk letting them see me for who I am. But because of this abiding love of God, we've got a shot at this. Because his love will enable us to start seeing each other through the reality of who we are and loving each other there. Like we were in pre-service prayer this morning and Bill just, this great thing kind of came out of him in prayer where he was talking about, Lord, thank you that we can just come as we are. Wouldn't it be beautiful if we were like that with each other in our Christian communities? If we can come to Jesus as we are, are we open to coming to each other as we are and meeting each other right there with the love of God? That's an environment where love can be experienced, where we can stretch and grow. And God is saying, his message to us is, you will grow in my love for you when you love each other like that. All right, some good news because we've got to stay anchored in the source because it is so easy when we start talking about things that stretch us and are challenging to move into the territory of leaning on our own strength. And all of this is an invitation from the Lord to lean on him and trust him. And so now over in John 17, it's all the same evening together. Now Jesus has, we've moved into where he's praying over his followers. And in John 17, I want you to see what he prays here in verses 11 and 12. And I am no longer in the world but they are in the world. So he's praying now about the realities we face, right? Jesus has returned to the Father in heaven. 
were still here in the difficult place. So he's saying, Lord, they're still in the world and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given, which you have given me that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction. He's referencing Judas there, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now, I don't know if you're catching what Jesus is saying here, but he's saying, while I was walking on this earth with my disciples, I was helping tend and keep them kind of anchored and rooted. And I was helping them navigate the challenges of their love relationship with each other. And he's saying, Father, now that I'm returning to you, will you keep them in your name? Jesus' prayer for you and I is that his father would help us with this. That Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would tend us well and keep us anchored in unity. The beauty of this is this is what God is working on. So anytime we realize I'm being invited to step into something that might be challenging or stretching in a love relationship, I am stepping into a situation where God is already at work. He already sees this unique situation with two people or 10 people that could be fraught with challenges and he is committed to helping us walk in love. He is committed to helping us walk in unity. He is providing the source that is needed to live that out. And so when I face difficulty with Tibor, none of you will ever experience difficulty with Tibor. Tibor, I don't know why I picked on you. I just happened to look up and I just, your face was there. So I'm picking on you. But if I'm experiencing, let's turn the other way. If Tibor is experiencing difficulty with me, which is a lot more likely, like now. (laughs) Perfect. If you didn't hear me said like now. Um, if Tibor is experiencing difficulty with me, what, he doesn't have to figure out how do I sacrificially love Jake through this. He joins Jesus' prayer and says, Lord, you are already at work here. Will you help me love Jake while he is being very difficult right now? Help me do that. Give me strength to do it. Lord, maybe even give me some wisdom or insight in how I can do this. Lord, do I, do I just keep my mouth shut and persevere? Is there some action or activity that you're calling me to? See, this, this very act of deciding, I'm gonna be committed to abiding in relationship with other believers, and I'm gonna be in it for the long haul. If we view it rightly, we understand it as an opportunity to get closer to the Lord too. Because we're gonna need his help and we're gonna lean on him and we're gonna call out to him. And then, guys, I've got some good news for you you're gonna see some prayers answered. Like I think all too often we view our prayers of like things we're wanting to get or see happen. Start praying for the ability to love like Jesus loves and then ask him for his help doing it. And you're gonna watch him start answering prayers right through your life. Lord, I can't believe this, but I walked away from that difficult situation with that difficult person. And God, I cannot believe what you gave me in that moment to love well, to hang in there. I can't believe the way you healed this thing that I thought might rip us apart from each other. But because I invited you in and I leaned on your love, you helped me navigate that in love. Wow, God, what a miracle. Those are miracles of love that God wants to do in us and through us all the time. Y'all with me? 
abiding fellowship, committed in and leaning on Jesus because we're gonna need him. Secondly, not only are we called to abiding fellowship, we're called to a distinct fellowship, a fellowship that is different than what we see everywhere else, a distinct fellowship. Let's continue on in John 17 now. A few verses down from verse 12, we're in verse 14. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. You see, you see already how different this is gonna be? There is truth and clarity. There's words that God has given the word of truth, and it opposes everything else we see around us. Jesus is different from the world around us because his love is different than the world's love. And the world is gonna see that and it's gonna run counter to it. It's gonna run in the opposite direction. It's gonna oppose it. Verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Man, I wish he had. (laughs) Wouldn't that have been easier? Well, Lord, now we've been touched by your love and this is amazing. And listen, if, if his goal was just for us to have an encounter with his love and be saved, wouldn't we just rapture at, at salvation? But that's not what he has. He purposely, like on purpose, Jesus is saying, I have chosen not to ask you to remove them from the difficulties of this world. I'm not asking that. That bums me out, but there's a reason in it. I do not ask that. Instead, what is he praying for? But that you keep them from the evil one. That we actually learn to be distinct and different and separate from the evil one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. This is at the core of our identity, our very identity. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. He is doing something miraculous. This is both like a current, like our identity, our very, like who we are in Christ is this this people that are set apart and different. But he's also saying, God, sanctify them. Why? Because as much as that is my core identity, I still gravitate back a lot. I can all too often hearken back to the old way of living where I was just a part of of the world and its system and its way of doing things. And it's not just that I hearken back, it's that I'm living in it. Have you ever thought about Jesus' words about like broad is the gate or broad is the way that leads to destruction? and narrow is the path that leads to life. I remember several years back coming to the realization, those two paths are on the same path because I'm navigating amidst all the people who are on the broad path to destruction. I'm walking through life right next to them. Like he, he didn't call us to commune life. I'm not saying there aren't ways that we are set apart, but he's saying, I intend for you to still be in the midst of the people of this world and this culture. And so we're walking a narrow road in the midst of the broad one. And we're bumping into people all the time who are on the broad path to destruction. And so because we're right there next to them, 
it's pretty easy at times to, oh, kind of, that looks sort of cool. Look at that shiny object over there. And we get off course. And so Jesus saying, your identity is that you're different. I placed you here on purpose around this world. And what I want to do is I want to help keep you distinct. I want to help you be anchored in this identity that I've given you. And so my words, my truth is going to begin to be the thing that defines you. You're going to be sanctified by truth. That word sanctified, it means separate and it means cleansed. Separate and cleansed. Um, we had a really funny moment last night. My, my brother's in town with, with uh, his wife and their new baby. And uh, so, you know, their little boy, he's got a lot of the things that would come along with having a small baby. And one of them is a pacifier. How crucial are pacifiers, mom and dad? Very, very crucial. The amount of time I probably spent figuring out ways to prop pacifiers in place in a baby swing so a nap could be taken and it wouldn't fall out. Like, I, I probably designed things that would be illegal <laughs> to keep it in there just to have some peace. Okay, that's just me. Um, but the little pacifier. So, but there was this in, interesting intersection that happened this weekend. They're bringing their, their young baby into our home. We have a baby puppy in our home right now. And so our puppy found the pacifier and was trotting through the living room, holding it correctly. It was like the funniest thing. It was like, just like that, on its mouth, just trotting in like, this is awesome. I can promise you that we did not take that pacifier out of the puppy's mouth and immediately put it right back into baby Edwin's mouth. Why not? It's gross, it needs cleansed. That thing needs to be set apart. The things that go in the puppy's mouth need to be different from the things that go in the baby's mouth, right? We get that, but we break that all the time. We break that all the time. All the time we miss that we are called to be set apart and we're to be handling things that are consecrated. They're cleansed. Like we've been set apart and we've been cleansed. So what, what are we doing associating with the filth that, what's it gonna do? It's just gonna make us sick. It's harmful. See, if we begin to view it this way, we realize like even some of the, just the things that God is calling us to, like ethical standards, moral standards, they're not keeping us from fun. It's, it's, it's helping us stay separate and cleansed from that which is impure that brings unhealth, the things that destroy. That's the invitation. And so when I clean dishes, I put them in the clean area on the shelf. We don't intermix the dirty dishes with the clean ones. They're separate for a reason. They're distinct. And so this is what his word does for us. His word operates as a sanctifying principle. And so there's like big picture concepts that are powerful and important, like the love of God and being anchored and abiding in that. But then there's so much scripture that says, here's how you take the concept of God's love for us or the concept of our love for one another and put it into practical, tangible terms. Here are ways that you walk out healthy relationships with one another. And so um, I was gonna read a passage from Acts. I'm gonna move past it here. But, but in Acts 20, um, Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders. 
And he's talking about them tending for the local body in Ephesus. And he's talking about the love that he's had helping tend them. And then he, he encourages them that a part of their job is to be anchored in God's word of grace, that it would sanctify the whole body in Ephesus. And so he's, he's building on this. It's like he's having the same conversation with those Ephesian leaders that Jesus had with his disciples. And so then if we move over to Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, that we are going to read in just a moment, there is a ton of practical advice he begins to give them on how to live in love and unity with one another. And this is about how to be set apart, cleansed, distinct. And so let's pick this up in Ephesians 4, verse 20. After he spends a few verses defining some of the ways that the world lives in opposition, same thing Jesus was saying, that the world around them lives in opposition to this, instead of that, you live like this, Ephesians 4, 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ, talking about the ways of the world. Assuming that you have heard from him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Instead, what do we do? And we're being renewed in the spirit of our minds to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. He's saying this is our identity and we ought to remind each other regularly and encourage each other to know who we really are. Before he goes into the list of what we are to do, he anchors us in who we really are because we ought to live out of being we're to be present with God, we're to be his kids. That's who we are in our identity. Now there are behaviors that come along with that, that flow naturally out of that. So here's your homework. I'm gonna highlight a couple of these. But if, if you're looking for a great practical place to start, and man, you can see this throughout the New Testament, but spend some time starting right here in Ephesians 4, start in verse 17, and move all the way into Ephesians 5, verse 21. And then if you're married, keep reading. <laughs> and some of you know what passage I'm talking about and you're already there. All right? There's a good spot to start. But here's some things he touches on. Speaking truth. It's loving to speak truth. And we need people that care about us enough to speak the truth into our lives. Speaking truth. He talks about dealing with problems immediately. Right? There's the phrase in there of like not letting the sun go down on your wrath, like dealing with anger right now. Anger can be useful, by the way. It can be useful. It can highlight something. Sometimes there's anger that comes from a righteous place, like this thing is wrong and I feel it and I know it. And the anger is showing up to say, red flag, red flag, address that. Anger can also be an indicator that we're blowing it. Anger can be saying, oh, wait a minute, this is my pride. This is my selfishness. Oh, so the anger tells us something. The blinking light of anger, if we're listening to the Holy Spirit, will highlight there is a problem and then the Holy Spirit can help us see, is this me or is there an issue here we need to deal with? And so we don't let anger fester is what Paul's getting at. We recognize its presence. Let's deal with what it's calling attention to. And we're told to work hard for the purpose of helping to meet each other's needs. 
right? We just talked about this morning, the opportunity that we have to bless a family in need. We work hard. It gives us the ability to be able to, to take care of each other, to help each other out. Um, may your speech build up and not tear down. And as we move into chapter five, he begins to talk about issues related to morality, having a high sexual ethic, addressing greed and coveting, crude speech, like the things we normalize and talk about that we ought not, and on and on. I'll, I'll let you dive into it, all right? A distinct fellowship. And then finally, lastly, this really just sort of summarizes the other two. We're called to be a devoted fellowship. Like we're called to just show up regularly and often, to be present in each other's lives, to not settle for just the chance encounters, but be intentional to lean in. And so like one of the things that can come from our gathering on Sundays is we're sitting here and listen, a lot of what we're doing on Sundays is the point too that we just made, right? The word of truth is being spoken, hopefully, always, <laughs> right? Because we're preaching the word. But then some of that devoted to each other stuff, that happens as we go out of here and we intentionally stay connected with each other. We intentionally rally to spend time together to help each other be consecrated and set apart for the Lord, to love each other, to encourage each other, to speak truth, to put this stuff into practice. And so whether that's committing to a regular life group gathering or just in general being committed to spending time in each other's lives, building relationship, it's needed. Devoted fellowship is needed. And so we see a practical guide for this um, well, I'm moving past a verse I was gonna read in John. Let me read this in John. John 17, 20 through 23. We, we touched on this briefly last week as well, but Jesus has been praying for his disciples and now he's praying for those who would come after them. That's us. Verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. We're getting more of a sense of why he lets us stay in the world because our distinct, devoted, abiding fellowship with each other looks different. And if people are seeing Jesus in us, that will be attractive because they know they've been sucking on a dirty pacifier and that one looks pretty good over there, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. And so this is why. Verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I've given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. That word perfectly there means complete or mature, not never making mistakes. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. And so as we walk these things out, together, as we're devoted to one another, this stuff just begins to permeate our lives and it has an impact in the body of Christ and it produces fruit out in the world. This is, this is our launching off point for the next two things we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about growing as disciples next Sunday. And then we're gonna talk about reaching out to the community around us the following Sunday after that. Those two things will happen well if last Sunday and this Sunday are happening well. Otherwise, we're gonna be duplicating a lot of unhealthy stuff. We've never seen that before. Right? We've done a lot of that. 
The church has done a lot of that, living out unhealthy practices and passing those on. But if we give ourselves to truly being devoted to Jesus and each other, then when we begin reproducing, we're reproducing out of that place of maturity. Not perfect, but healthy and whole and mature. And so what did the church do? I'm closing with this, Acts 2. The early church, Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? They were anchored in truth. They were committed to it, to learning it, practicing it, and to fellowship. And what did their fellowship look like? Well, not only are they learning biblical teaching together, but they are breaking bread and they're praying. You wanna know how to be devoted to people? Just like have meals together. Have meals together, sit there, share life, talk, really get to know each other. And then guess what? When it's hard to love as you're getting to know each other, well, that's why we pray for each other. And so we pray that God would come and meet needs and he'd help us love each other well and he'd help us navigate the challenges of life. And so let's be devoted to the practices of gathering around the word of God, having a real meal together. We're gonna have real conversation. I sat with my brother-in-law at the table for a couple hours last night just talking. It was amazing all the places we went. But it was just that act of sitting down and having a meal and beginning to open up our lives. And we bonded. We connected. It's a beautiful thing. And then what flowed out of that? Verses 44 and 45. And all who believed were together. They had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. In their devotion to each other, they were made aware of the real practical things going on in each other's lives and they took care of each other. That's what's happening. We know each other well enough to recognize what's going on and to be there for each other. Man, an abiding and a devoted and a distinct community of Jesus followers. Guys, it's never gonna be perfect, but it can be really beautiful. It can be really good and very life-giving and it will help us grow in our walk with the Lord. It will help us grow in love and godly character in our interactions with each other. And it will make a compelling case to a world that needs Jesus. Amen? Amen. Man, the kids were awesome. Y'all did so great this morning. Thank you guys. That was incredible. All right, well, let's pray and, and we'll release everyone to maybe break some bread together. Be good, huh? All right, well, Lord, thank you for this morning. God, thank you just for the beautiful reminder in our time in song, just absorbing, being refreshed by the power of your love. God, thank you that we can devote time to gather and to sing that truth and remind each other as we sing about who you are and the love you have for us. God, thank you for our time in your word together. Lord, that, that helps us to grow and be stretched that we can know and experience your abiding love and that we can walk in love with each other in this local body, God, in our homes, through our relationships, in this, in this city, in this community. God, thank you for the gift of your love that is meant to permeate our lives. Thank you for the truth that sanctifies us. Lord, will you help us see any places this morning where you're calling us back to our true identity in you? as your kids. Lord, anywhere you want to correct, God, where we've lacked devotion to the gathering of the saints, where maybe we've gathered and had some fun together, but we've not really committed ourselves to your word and your ways. 
or Lord, where we just haven't simply leaned in and, and chosen to be in that place of abiding love where we sacrificially love and care for one another. And Lord, all of it is by your gracious presence. Do this in our hearts and lives. We need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.